0: all right hello everybody welcome to the evangelical dark web tonight we are live and we're going to be discussing discernment ministry and contemporary christian music so we're going to combine two topics and we are also going to do a meme review which should be fun as we close out tonight uh we're going to do a probably a shorter stream than our usual but nonetheless we will cover a lot of content and uh give a little more behind the scenes on discernment ministry, uh, in Christian media as a whole, hopefully, as well as, you know, tackling how to do, apply discernment as it relates to contemporary Christian music, which David Morrill, my special guest here tonight is much more of an expert on being not only a musician himself, but also a avid discernment uh, blogger is that really the right term? But that's the term that the uh, Big Eva uses. Is
1: it's good enough? Crazy
0: discernment bloggers. So we might as well <laughs> co-opt it and use it affirmatively. And uh, we're going to talk about that. But uh, first, I do want to give a slight announcement, and that is, I am working on a book, and the book is ready to go. We're shopping around at uh, Christian publishers. And this should be pretty exciting. It's going to I don't want to call it a manifesto, but it's going to be like the 12 rules, uh, 12 commandments of like spiritual warfare. So that's the book that I'm working on. It it is, you know, basically a manual of how I do discernment ministry. Uh, It's also kind of like, hey, church history as well. Uh, Applies church history, recent church history. You know why, you know, things like you know, why the Southern Baptist Convention, the people in the Southern Baptist Convention are failing to save the Southern Baptist Convention talks about that. And, you know, how to hire and vet pastors and churches. So a lot of useful, practical stuff in a very conversational way rather than overly academic or overly uh, sixth grade reading level, (laughs) uh, which a lot of big evil books are printed at. But we're going to find a publisher, hopefully. If not, we're going to self-publish it. But that is the announcement that I want to make uh, tonight, so uh, I'm going to give a quick introduction. Uh, so, oh, well, actually, before I do that, uh, if you want to support Evangelical Dark Web, EvangelicalDarkWeb.org/join is the appropriate way to do that, or the biggest way you can do that. Uh, you can also like the video, also subscribe to the channel or po- podcast RSS feed, because this will be audio as well. Uh, Evangelicaldarkweb.org slash join is a Patreon-like system that I built, and it works. You can even give a one-time donation, and this is, I believe, something that we have in common is that we're not operating as charities, So, but that also frees us to not be confined to the unconstitutional uh, regulations of the IRS as it relates to 501c3. So, uh, with that said, let's just do a quick introduction and I guess one way that I want to phrase it is that David is the head honcho, I would guess, at Protestia.
1: Yeah, or I mean, I guess I would say maybe the the, the publisher and and reluctant editor sometimes.
0: <laughs> so yeah, the, the person who's kind of like stepped up to fill a lot of the void. Uh, but you know, just for context, Protestia is a pretty big deal. They're one of the biggest players in this uh, alternative media space and niche. They're about. I ran the numbers today, uh, 4.8 times the size of Evangelical Dark Web. Uh, Dissenter is about 2.75 times the size of Evangelical Dark Web. And Capstone Report is 1.2. We're catching up, I guess. But, you know, these ministries have been around a lot longer than I have. But they were also uh, some of the people that came before me that I've, I've looked at, loved their stuff, read their stuff and uh kind of went into discernment on my own which i'll talk about in a minute my backstory into this uh but uh david uh how about you give a quick rundown of you know who you are what you do at protestia and uh
1: yeah so we'll, uh, i i, I came on stuff yeah i came on um a couple of years ago i guess and it's an interesting story because you know like I sort of came out of nowhere nobody knew who I was and then and then I get sort of got thrust in the middle of it um but came on to help produce polemics report and do some writing on the site and I had basically been I mean supporting a lot of online discernment ministry for a long time so you know I came up you know reading um Ken Silva and uh, you know uprising.org and listening to Chris Rosebro and um a lot of these guys that were sort of the the beginnings of these kind of ministries. And then along comes pulpit and pen and, and JD hall. And, um, and so that, that, that resonated with me and I started, you know, I basically volunteered, which you never should do to someone that does this kind of work, like volunteer to do work. Cause they'll, they'll take as much of the work as you know, you're willing to give. But I, I I, I looked at uh, JD and I was like, this, this could sound better and look better. And I, I have that ability. And obviously discernment, discernment uh, ministry is, um, a passion of mine and something I'm interested in, and so uh, as as he stepped down and 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 focused more on the family, other people step up. But I think what it probably my my jumping out into the you know sort of the 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 lead position is is evidence, or it should be taken as evidence that there's a lot of guys like me out there that are being ministered to by discernment ministries and we're reading them. And, you know, we're, we're interested in polemics and, and we want to be able to help our local churches with this kind of information. And we're just, you know, like if God wills it, we, he he, he'll just push us into it. You know, there's a lot of guys like me probably that are, that are just, you know, on the sideline, but like ready to pick up the, pick up the baton and run.
0: And that kind of like, uh, you know, gets me thinking about how I came into uh, being a discernment blogger because uh, you, you just kind of gave your backstory is that, you know, you started out as someone that was interested and then volunteered. My background's a little different. Uh, obviously, I grew up in the church uh, and I did a lot of writing for conservative media, you know, small time outlets and stuff like that did a lot of writing. So knock report, maybe if you ever heard of that website, I was Mm -hmm, one of their OG writers. Uh, And one of the things that I gradually went into was Christian media. I look at how Christian media treats very liberal politicians that claim to be Christian and it's kid gloves. And you saw that with a lot of Christian, uh, Christian, Christianity today, specifically, And they they just had the kid gloves. So I start to see the corruption and the compromise in a lot of these spaces. Then I discover a lot of sites like Protestia and uh, Dissenter, which was Reformation Charlotte at the time, and then Capstone Report. And then you start to see a lot more issues at play. I grew up Southern Baptist. So seeing all these issues impact the Southern Baptist Convention is a major concern. So it was 2019 when i launched evangelical dark web after uh the brandon alton the fed uh wrote like an article or something like that it was on mere orthodoxy which is neither orthodox nor mere i guess but they wrote an article on the evangelical dark web and trying to defeat it and like this is an awesome name i'm gonna (laughs) co-opt it for myself and you know be the enemy that you fear uh (laughs) and bring that to life kind of like batman uh and, and bling the bat as his symbol. But so that, that's kind of how I came into it. And, you know, a lot of the stuff that you get out of politics is largely the same stuff that you get out of, you see it in the church and, you know, people like Rod Martin have like a political background so that he understands, you know, Southern Baptist convention really well. Cause you know, he has a political background and he just see it's the same thing. It's the same thing, just in a different arena. So I've kind of stepped, I haven't stepped completely away from politics because, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of people that are overly in the uh, ecclesiastical camp aren't very good at the political realm. And then people that are overly in the political realm aren't very good at the ecclesiastical, but I've kind of like split the middle, I guess, uh, you know, for someone that's not a pastor. Uh, and I don't have a seminary education, but that that's kind of my background. But it's interesting that we do have some similar backgrounds. I just, you know, I started writing a lot and I even had a website prior to Evangelical Dark Web called Startup Christ, which is more about entrepreneurism and Christianity and the intersect. But there wasn't much of a demand for reading material about that. I'll just be honest. So and that kind of like leads me into, uh, you know, kind of a discussion on what the problems in Christian media are. Uh, Because... That was what was it that was a driving factor for me, and then at the end of the day, I, I kind of listed off how big these other websites are in comparison to my own. But even still, you look at the Gospel Coalition, they are a behemoth, and there's very few websites that are Christian that are bigger than the Gospel Coalition. I think this des- Desiring God is one of them, and then God Ministries would probably be another one, but you know, that's mostly just answering people's questions. So in terms of, you know, we're just kind of small outlets, all competing in a niche space, uh, but we're competing together. And I think that's a very wonderful thing about this, the online discernment bloggers is we're very collaborative. And, you know, I I know this is true about you uh, and how protest is slash pulpit and pen has always been run. And that's always something that's appreciative. Uh, Do you see this, because it's more missional than uh
1: yeah, and, egotistical yeah and and you just want the you know i mean it, it's no secret that a lot of a lot of our websites we um you know we'll post a snippet from somebody else's article and then link to that article like hey you got to go check this out because the idea is that no matter which audience is in front of you if it's a good article and it's important information and something that we need to be apprised of we We, we want people to read it. So it's, it's, it's kind of an endorsement of sorts. Um, And so, I mean, we like, we'll routinely, you know, post snippets of something from dissenter or from, from evangelical dark web or from capstone report or somewhere that, Hey, you know, we, we, we trust your theological background and you're doing the work. You know, I, I say this almost every podcast, everybody's only got 24 hours in the day. So there's no way to stay apprised of everything, but the more that, that there can be some cross-pollination, the easier, the, the more that, um, what we're trying to say can be spread. And and that's a good thing. It's, it's like, you know, like the guy, you mentioned the gospel coalition. Um, there's no real way to tell at least as far as I can tell how, how much it's actually read. It's more like how much money is behind this. There were the, like the website like that gets approached from a different direction. We're, we're all, um, you know, in the streets so to speak and then you know they they're they're in the ivory tower where they're they're getting a lot of funding and things like the he gets us campaign they're getting a lot of funding to make it look like it's big and influential but at the street level nobody's reading that stuff they're reading in fact it's getting made
0: fun of for how vacuous uh yeah or at least the he gets us is the gospel coalition i wonder because a lot of pastors read it and then you kind of wonder about the state of the church
1: well and just just list, listen to uh listen to a lot of the sermons coming out, coming out of these churches to to get a you know take the temperature of the state of the church right now you know when when they're preaching like all they do is read gospel coalition when they're when they're endorsing someone like you know Tim Keller like like they're talking about Tim Keller 15 years ago instead of Tim Keller now you know you can tell that they're they they're sort of phoning it in as far as knowing what's out there And again, that's where these you know websites like our step in the gap, and and it's a groundswell. It's more of a it's more of a you know a Pew sitter kind of a movement. And to the extent that pastors are aware of it, it's like they 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 listen to us and they they know and they take it seriously. But you're not going to get quoted, neither will I from you know a a quote unquote respectable ministry. You're not going to find.
0: Baptist News Global cited me once. So <laughs> no, I well, I w. call them fake
1: Baptist. There's fake Baptist News. Yeah, <laughs>
0: it really is. Uh Brandon Robertson was one of the writers. Uh who yeah. was the last video that I did with his interview on Sean McDowell. But uh one of the things that influenced how I do discernment is the fact that Pulpit and Penn at the time had like a page of you know, information resources on specific false teachers. And I thought, you know. What if we took this and then compiled, you know, research on false teachers that are beyond just the ones that are really more acceptable to talk about? So I, I, I one of them was Andy Stanley. I remember that they removed this page not too long after I, I started Evangelical Dark Web. But this was kind of the gap that I, I saw needing to be filled was we needed to combat the future and rising false teachers or the ones that people were curious about because there were no resources on them. Like one of the people that I first wrote about was Michael Todd. And I wrote about him before he went mega viral, which was in April of 2020. He went super viral then, and it's been a clown show ever since in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So that was, you know, some of the work that I did that was really good. And uh, all of a sudden, you see a lot more ministries that are kind of downstream from art sphere uh, talk about people like Michael Todd, like uh, Colin Miller of Fight for Truth. I think is his channel's name. Nothing against him whatsoever. He does great work, from what I can tell. And yeah, you know, I listened to a few of his videos. And you know, a lot of his videos now are Michael Todd, Michael Todd, Michael Todd. So it's mm-hmm. that, that's kind of like my dad like... likes to watch
1: Colin. <laughs> I, like, I think it's funny from your own dad. He's like, you know, Colin's a little nicer than you are. <laughs> I <was> like, thanks. <laughs> thanks, dad. <laughs> yeah. R- real nice, man.
0: But <laughs> I, I always thought that was, I, it, but it's, there is a river. And now it's interesting to see that downhill from us it, are people like Megan Basham at the Daily Wire. And she mm-hmm. has taken up a lot of the stories that people like us talk about. And she's blasted to a very large audience you know her article yeah, is a connection between
1: the like the mainstream conservative audience yeah. at daily wire with topics about evangelicalism and so yeah i mean we have a we yeah we we i probably shouldn't say this publicly we have a good relationship with her you know it's just, you know probably probably just got her in trouble but you know
0: i mean you're not the only ones but it i yeah. i don't have a working relationship but you know uh
1: it, but i know of other people that do so yeah, we'll 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 slide the ammunition under the, you know, from under the tent that then they can use to 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 get and, it out to the bigger audiences for now. That's fine.
0: And I think that's, you know, part of what makes us more effective is that we don't care about who gets the credit. It's more about the work and the mission. And you saw that with, you know, it was the discernment bloggers that took down Ed Litton.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we did so much reporting on his sermon gate. That the Washington Post and liberal outlets in the pagan media picked that up and ran with it in a mocking way. But still, it was enough to embarrass uh, the Southern Baptist Convention. And even with Willie Rice, it was also discernment bloggers that took him out as well. I, I I know I put the first chink in his armor by linking him to Docent Research Group, but, but that was like mm-hmm. in September of last year so that was like completely unrelated to him running for sbc president that's just something that shows up uh that resurfaces and then uh all these other outlets uh that that nailed the karen gate stuff as well so
1: and it re- it revealed the the sort of cloak and dagger machiavellian nature of evangelical politics in a way that was just unseemly and it was just icky. Everybody knew it was icky, and then you could start to see the the very unChristian-like behavior that the, all these people were engaged in, you know, and the inconsistency. And when the inconsistency comes out, you start to see that somebody like Willie Rice is is more concerned about the PR and the image than he's concerned about doing what's right. And that's you know, and and I mean, I would put a lot of the other characters around that saga in the same category. Unfortunately, you'd like to think that if someone's claiming Christ. If they're if they're saying I'm a Christian, not only that, but I'm a Christian minister vocationally, that you wouldn't see that kind of behavior, and yet it's more common than not. Unfortunately, when they get to that level of of institutionalism.
0: Now, yeah, yeah, and it's unfortunate, but it is what what it is. So I, I want to move on to kind of the state of protestia. It's been a pretty dynamic year for you guys at protestia uh and i'm not trying to you know catch you off guard or anything but you made reference to it earlier without prompting so i feel like it's yeah i'm I'm, I'm, I'm
1: open with it there's nothing uh (laughs) so
0: one of the hardest articles and topics i've had to write was on jd hall like i i don't think I've ever felt as sad writing on a topic than when I wrote about that instance that was back in July. Uh, and it's not because you know I, I, I've i always kind of maintained that I didn't want to be JD Hall or even like him because I'm just being myself, we're just not too dissimilar and we're operating in the same space. Uh, but uh, it, it I was really upset and disappointed when. A lot of that news uh broke out earlier this year i thought protestia did the biblical thing of an amical amicable split from fellowship baptist church and uh well in that uh, relationship
1: that relationship was based around jd being a pastor of yeah. the church and then deferring to the church for and, and that's any, all we could do yeah, yeah. I, try, I, I tried. i tried that was it the biggest in, thing in yeah, in a couple of videos and articles, I tried to explain that, you know, because this ministry, like a lot of other online ministries are, um, they're, they're sort of remote, and they're scattered, and they're cooperations over the internet, um, that we, we, we don't have that kind of, um, uh, like, uh, accountability role in each other's lives, the way that you would have with people at your own church. And it's why, of course, we emphasize all the time that this is a parachurch ministry that's subservient to the church, you know, it's for the church. Um, but when something like this comes along and we don't know, you know, i I mean, I live in Colorado. I don't have any ability to know all the ins and outs of what's going on, um, in a church, several States away. The best that you can do is follow the church's lead and pray and so that's that's kind of what we did and unfortunately I mean af- after the fact it seemed like hey we we might not have known everything that there was to know about this but there wasn't much we could do um and so I mean we don't have an official position I don't have an official position technically but I'm I'm certainly in the camp of of saying that I don't believe that there was some sort of a you know permanently disqualifying situation going on or something like that. I know a lot of other, a lot of other friends of his and ministers and things have come to that conclusion that, Hey, this is you know, he never returned to some sort of public or vocational ministry. I'm not in that camp. I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm trying to be patient wait on the Lord. And, and in the meantime, there's work to be done. And he would always tell me this. I mean, you know, it it was tongue in cheek, but it was also true at the same time. Like we want to fight for the truth and, you know, we're going to face persecution and all the hard things that come with doing that. And then we're going to die and be forgotten. And the truth of the gospel is what moves forward. It's not us. I, you know, I do he remember always, him saying that. Yeah. yeah, it was it was it was a pretty common kind of um, framework that he would use. You know, he would always say if, I, if I'm behind the pulpit preaching and I keel over a heart attack, push me out of the way and finish the sermon. You know, it's so it's, he uh, it, it was very much about the 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 validity and the power of the gospel versus us as personalities, which is manifestly different from, you know, big Eva, you know, modern churches where it's all about the vision caster. It's all about the personality. This is, you know, we're, we're very ground level, you know, I mean, you know, sites like ours, it's like if, you know, the same thing that, that happened at Protestia, somebody else will pick up the, you know, they'll pick up the banner and and carry on. That's, that's what we hope and pray for because it's it's the gospel that that matters. Ravi
0: Zacharias international ministries. (laughs) Yeah. You, yeah. know, you actually can distance yourself from any personality when needed because you're not named after it. But uh, I, I thought the handling of that was good. Now the last update that I've really heard was discouraging because you know it was kind of reported. As, I I want to say by the Christian Post, which isn't the best outlet, but nonetheless they kind of made it seem like he was rejecting uh, any sort of. Uh, restoration or biblical counseling. Is there any update? Like, in, on I want to be
1: careful. Not yeah, I want to be careful not to be a gossip. You know, and and be public right. with things that I'm not entirely sure about. But I suppose I would say it this way: there's there's differing um, accounts. Uh, yeah, there's differing accounts of of what went on, even related to the church discipline process. So I I don't want to throw the church under the bus. And again, I'm you know not being there. I, there's only so much I can say. But there were there were enough, you know, red flags and things that I could verify to to not make me comfortable with saying with just coming out and saying he's not he's not, uh, you know, uh, cooperating or something like that. And, you know, that he's he's some, somehow rebelling against this because, you know, we've all seen church discipline. Go badly. We've seen churches sin in their discipline. We've seen these kind of things where it should have been this biblically, and it wound up being something else. And so, um, there are enough red flags to, for me to say that's a possibility. That's certainly, you know, that's certainly on the table and on the table in a strong enough way for me to not. I wouldn't be comfortable, you know, taking a, a, um, one side or the other on that at this point. You know, I have to I have stepped back and only and only talk about what I really know.
0: Uh, yeah. And I, I definitely respect you for, you know, weighing in the information. I think it's interesting that you brought up that there are enough red flags to caution against taking any sort of conclusion. I think that's a sufficient answer to, uh, this line of questioning. So
1: I next want to move on to, it's uh, it's okay to not know what you don't know. Yeah,
0: (laughs) exactly. So I want to jump ahead. Give me one second as I pull it up to uh, an annual tradition over at pulpit and pen slash protestia <laughs> and that is the worst christian of the year award which if i can
1: find and i and i'm not taking the blame for that this time or i mean that's no that's, you don't have you to. It, it's set yeah. done.
0: it clearly says seth is yeah responsible i mean, seth, for well,
1: it. seth seth is is has always been real uh real close um with jd and so it makes sense that he would sort of pick up the mantle of of pulpit and pen he's gonna he's gonna put his own stamp personality wise on it and, um, and now
0: is pulpit and pen operating distinctly from protestia
1: or e- yes yes because you know protestia is basically um was real i reorganized it upon all of this to be um just because like, get out of not the at, well and i'm not that great at accounting and so just to make sure that that the writers and things like that were being taken care of it's it's now actually under the umbrella of a colorado organization. You know, because in and and even the link to the church, the Fellowship Baptist Church, was was more personal and unofficial than official. So, like, I'm not a pastor, so uh, I don't. And, but I am a I'm a businessman, I guess. You know, I mean, I own a few businesses and things. I'm like, okay, I, I know how to do that part. So it's let's just do it that way. So everything is above board and transparent. And there's no questions about anything. And
2: you know, it, yeah. when, when
1: something like what happened last July happens, there's a tendency for trust to get splintered. So it was really important that we be. 100% transparent. This is how this is operating now. No apologies, you know, wide open. Anybody can ask anything they want and uh, no secrets. I don't, we don't need secrets in, in, uh, in Christian ministry. So
0: let's kind of go through these names. We've got Johnny Hunt, David French, Rick Warren, and Adam Greenway. Let's start with Johnny Hunt, who I know that you probably can't read it. So I'll go back to the page. Former Pastor of First Baptist Church of Woodstock, former president of the Southern Baptist Convention, former vice president of the evangelism at the North American Mission Board, nominated for disqualifying himself for pastoral ministry by having a sexual encounter with another pastor's wife, covering it up, covering up the incident, staying in the ministry afterward and attempting a restored to return return to ministry after being suspended from the pastorate. That's Johnny Hunt. Then we have David French, evangelical pundit and author, nominated for supporting the legalizing of same-sex marriage. And I think that's an understatement of all that he could be nominated yeah. for. Uh, Rick Warren, best-selling author and former pastor of Saddleback Church, nominated for defying the biblical doctrine of complementarianism at the Southern Baptist Convention and arrogantly bragging on the size of his ministry in defense of that action. Adam Greenway, former president of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary nominated for irresponsible financial stewardship and questionable personnel decisions that have endangered the operations of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. So if you're in the chat, comment below on who you think should win this <laughs> award. Uh, I, I have my own little award show coming up later this year, and instead of doing worst Christian, I'd do like church villain and worst teacher. So there's like two distinct categories. Uh, so you know, people <laughs> like Dave. Obviously, there can be overlap. Last year, Francis Collins was the winner, and I'm surprised that Protesti didn't have him on for worst teacher. I thought that was Francis Collins' year. Uh, he. <laughs>
1: I, yep. I think there was, I, I it, tend to agree I mean, as, on that one. I was, I wasn't involved in the uh, nomination process last year either, but, so, but yeah, it, yeah, Francis Collins. And, and, and this is the trick is we're, we're saying who's the worst Christian and it's like, you know, and the then we're not actually say even are Christians. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, on this list, I got to say that Johnny hunt uh, probably isn't a winner here. I don't trust the guidepost report. I think the, I think that that was really shady. I don't think that there's an, a sufficient evidence provided that he was guilty of what they accused him of. And uh, again, the husband of the woman, I thought was kind of worse because he just did a handshake deal on what was
1: described as a sexual assault. It didn't make sense to me. Like the, the account did not make sense. I'm thinking like what what husband would supposedly believe what we all saw or what we all saw in that report and like, be okay with him saying, you know, I don't want to ruin your ministry. It's okay. What you did to my wife. I don't want like, no, that didn't pass the smell test. Yeah. So th- that was an
0: issue. And I think for that reason, Johnny Hunt, who supposedly already confessed the incident to his church or something like that. So him being suspended now was kind of more of a PR stunt than anything else. Uh So who knows? But I, I don't think there's enough evidence to give him the verdict, because these actions weren't in 2022 either, except for the the phony rest- restoration process right. in which you got a bunch of his church buddies to uh, restore him. Uh, and then David pull him Fr- back again. <laughs> yeah, uh, David French. Uh, yeah, they, they don't. He undersells what David French could be nominated for because his weekly Sunday column is basically an attack on the church every single week. Mm -hmm. and david french is wrong about just about everything like he, he even thinks the rings of power was a good tv show that's how wrong on everything he is and i'm not shocked that he's on the list i think uh he's a worthy uh contender on this list rick warren for his what five minutes of bloviating at the southern baptist convention or was it longer
1: well, but, Rick Warren should earn like a lifetime achievement award award as a worst Christian.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting because again, him hiring a husband wife combo to replace him. Did that happen this year or did that happened last year? I can't quite uh, remember which I'm sure. I'm sure happened.
1: that Andy Wood was, was targeted like la- or like, you know, identified earlier. You know, but but, but see, Rick Warren's got bigger time. and better things to do, right? I mean, you know, he this is World Economic Forum peace plan globalist Rick Warren. He's got other stuff. I mean, the church is too small for someone like him at this point.
0: It really is, and he's so egotistical that he needed two pastors to replace him, not just one, and one, <laughs> one a husband wife combo. And while she's not listed as the co senior pastor, she is listed as a pastor officially. But I think we all know that if this pastor is sleeping with the senior pastor, then, you know, there's a power relationship there that doesn't exist, or there's some rapport there that doesn't exist with the other pastors on staff at Saddleback. So she's going to have like an unspoken hierarchy there in my it's opinion.
1: why you can't it's why it's one of the reasons that really disproves the idea that women can be pastors in the church is because if the man is supposed to be the head of his household and the, and the head of the wife as the bible says and yet she's a pastor of the church she's really the one with the spiritual authority in that relationship you can't you can't invert it in the church and, and expect it to stay um, proper in the home
0: so the last one on the list is adam greenway And he's on this list mainly because he finally got fired from Southwestern. Now, I don't think that he necessarily belongs on this list because I just, you know, it's very niche in my opinion. He's like the
1: dark horse candidate.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he's a dark horse. uh, And a lot of these actions that he did took place in years prior, but he also was brought into a losing situation. He couldn't, like, the fundraising was going to hemorrhage because Paige Patterson, brought in the dough he he brought in the fundraisers and the backers and stuff like that adam greenway had a losing battle in that regard but he did not make it any better because he went he was there to purge uh he was there to purge the conservatives that was his job that was his mission whether from satan or from al Mueller, that was his mission and <laughs> well he, mission he don't forget he
1: let rick warren he let rick warren off the hook at the at the annual meeting like, yeah, like, like Rick, Rick Warren's, you know, egalitarianism, Adam Greenway was like, you know, basically sort of excused it by saying, well, we're, we're not a creedal denomination, you know, as like, he, he gave Rick Warren a, an out on that as far as I was concerned and went like toe to toe with uh, his mentor, Al Mohler, you know, in front of all of us it was, it was a sight to behold. So one of the people I thought was lacking on that list, cause I thought,
0: uh, Tim Keller could have been on the list. Because the Most number of, of false, yeah, I mean the number of false gospels that he's kind of uh, affirmed this year, pretty major. It's it's more than two, uh, and he's trying to push biblical critical theory. That's his big push right now. So I thought that that might have been worthy, and I know I got. He's, he's going to be the star. Of, by the
1: way, he's going to be the star of a new segment at Protestia. It's it's going to it's going to be a uh, uh, is is which one of these is the real tim keller tweet <laughs> we're gonna put and up a couple I of i know how one much real. you guys
0: lo- uh, and i know <laughs> how much you guys love uh making fun of kyle j howard as well but uh, tim keller uh riddle like twitter tweet uh parody also really works now I-, I know for worst teacher i i have i'm trying to decide between rick warren and tim keller for this year and then church villain uh, I really think Rachel Den Hollander uh, should get the nod, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. A lot of time left. I mean, the winner of the year, I think, got shaken up because Johnny Depp just surrendered after winning his lawsuit by settling. Uh, so you know, the winner of the year is in for a shakeup here, yeah. and uh, so let's kind of shift over to your uh passion project of contemporary christian music now i don't listen to contemporary christian music i mostly listen to heavy metal uh so when i listen you know when you hear about all the views that the people that are major in contemporary christian music have and it's like are they even believers and you even hear about that from you know christian musicians like john cooper of skillet has said a lot of this and I've heard him do interviews where he said the same thing that you know all these people in Christian music aren't Christian. So you've kind of created a theology rubric which is slightly separate of an issue, but very related to the bad theology in modern Christian music. And largely the bad the it's bad theology because they're not really regenerate uh, in in a lot of ways. But how how about you walk us through? You've been writing a lot of reviews. I think they're pretty interesting. It's kind of like a scoring system. Yeah, uh, I'm, just
1: scoring to ramp, system I'm just starting. I'm just starting to ramp it up because it it takes a while. And there's a couple of sites online that already do this kind of work. But um, to not to not to put too fine a point in it, but I kind of find them lacking as far as um and and you know my rubric is based around um, how suitable is this piece of music, this song or whatever for corporate worship in the church first and foremost, like there'll be things that apply to whether this is even something you should be listening to, like in the car driving around. But the problem is that churches have gotten to the point where they're not, they're not guarding their worship services. They're not guarding, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a very, uh, you know, for, for listeners that may not be aware of this terminology. Uh, there's there's kind of two general schools of thought when it comes to allowability in worship, and, and I'm obviously you've heard of this that you know the regulative principle versus the normative principle of worship. You know, regular, regulative being let's go to Scripture and find out what Scripture says we're supposed to do in corporate worship or in worship to God, and then try to do that. And then normative, where it's like as long as it's not prohibited in Scripture, everything's fair game. Um, I'm right. much more regulative when it comes to a church worship service, but I tend to lean a little bit more towards Christian liberty when it's your own time and you're driving around in the car or, you know, whatever it's, it's, you know, I think we should be very protective of the special nature of the gathering and, and corporate worship. And
0: one of the things that I would emphasize when it comes to worship, corporate worship is that the songs should be singable corporately. Mm-hmm. And obviously in your own time, they don't have to be because everyone's range is different, but in a corporate setting, it should be in a, I, I'm not, I can read music, but I'm, I, that's a, about it, you know, as far as discussing what key or range people have, but, you know, it should be in a comfortable range rather than overly fancy. And I don't think it's, I don't think it should, necessarily just be one band on stage doing all the work and maybe people can sing along or hear themselves sing or not even be able to hear themselves sing uh Uh, so i I think it should be more corporate i guess
1: yeah like like like, i mean when i'm running sound at church it's uh, you make sure to keep the the volume of the sound system, such that it's responsive to the, the number of people in the congregation, and so it's very clear that they can hear themselves and they can tell that this is intended for corporate worship. The funny thing is, is modern technology has largely made that kind of a moot point because if you want to play a song in your in your worship service, but it's the original performance was too high, and that's what it usually is. It's too high. Um, they'll release you know a whole bunch of different keys so you can get the one that you feel like is going to work is going to work musically. Um, and in my rubric, the, the musicality, because that's kind of a subjective part is at the end. And it's kind of the, the lowest number of points. I assigned every category, a little bit of a point, you know, a, a point score and the, and the point score is, de- is designed to say, this is what I would argue are the most important parts of this, the musicality and, and, um, the melody and the, and the arrangement and the chords being used and, and all of these kinds of things, um, is that important to to analyze yeah but is is important as whether we're singing about the real jesus or not no it's not not that important it's subjective it was uh um well one of the other podcasts that we uh uh, we we um put up at protesting is the bible bash podcast and they asked on twitter uh i don't know a few days ago like um would you be okay with rap music in a christian worship service and of course most people like reflexively no it's just rap music and i'm just like Heck yeah. <laughs> Put it in there. If I, if I saw two really? guys coming to start, if I saw two guys coming in and start rapping biblical truth that people could understand, um, like Bryce would it and be corporate worship? <laughs> yeah, like it wouldn't be, you know, for special and music, that, I'm not that saying you're be... going to have corporate rap, but you know, special yeah, music. Yeah. That, that would sure. be my,
0: uh, beef would be, I'm not against the genre, but I am skeptical that it could be done in a corporate worship setting.
1: Right. Right. Well, and and if you think very few rap songs
0: are (laughs) corporately singable, Baby Got Back by Super Mix a Lot would probably be take the cake as most corporately singable. (laughs) But uh, again, not something you should be singing in church. Part of this is at a wedding.
1: Part of this is me playing devil's advocate because I want people to think about it beyond their their initial reaction like, oh, that's you know, that's, you know, gangster rap and it's always bad stuff. And it's always, you know, these kind of topics and things. It's like, I've seen it done in a godly way. I've seen, I mean, I I have, you know, and it's usually old school stuff at this point, but rap from, you know, the early nineties and things. I'm like, that's legit. This is like preaching to a beat. This is pretty sweet. You know, I I enjoyed it, but if you're going to put it in a worship service, it better be just like a special piece of music you know, and then get, get back to, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. As long as that's not the bulk of what you're doing in the service, it should be right. participatory as much as it can be. I mean, it's, it's funny because we listen to sermons preached in a service and nobody says, Hey, why isn't everybody else participating in this sermon? It's okay. Then
0: I mean, certain then, areas yeah. they do participate in the sermon a little
1: too yeah. much even like, sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. You
0: listen but to it, it a was, Levi lusco sermon. It's like, geez, how many women are in this crowd? Just, interacting with Levi or whatever Ugh. that's who he preaches to. It's right. totally focused on women. But <laughs> it's a I don't know, ecclesiastical gynocracy.
1: Uh Yeah. Well, and I put up I, I mean so there, there's a specific page at Protestia that really it it talks about why I'm, you know, analyzing songs the way I am and then there's a rubric section and you you may have the article pulled up now, but there's a rubric section that says uh Um, how the songs will be rated and then kind of where the scores will, you know, land your song, like, you know, Hey, this is totally safe. You know, you, you, if you like it, put it in, if it's, you know, if you're kind of in the middling, you know, 50 to 79 points out of a hundred, then it's like pastoral guidance uh, suggested, I think is what I put. And it's, um, yeah, you can use this, but you, there are considerations, you know, that you need to keep in mind, but if you're like 49 or below, it's like, you know. Uh, pick something else. <laughs> and this is, this is based off of, of the, and in, in, I think this is a biblical principle. Any, anything you're not finding in scripture, like a song or um, a Bible study or whatever is this is all extra biblical material. This is nothing that is necessary for your church worship service. And if it's not necessary, you know, movie clips, not necessary, right? Any of this stuff is, is not necessary to the preaching and teaching and proclamation of the word. Our standard should be like, it better be more or less 100 biblical before we're bringing it in and that includes being concerned about us about troublesome associations the baggage i say that comes along with this
0: now like elevation
1: worship could put out a song that's theologically correct but do i really want to be seen as tacitly endorsing that movement no nope. <laughs> now when you do the rubrics is
0: it based off a song an artist or an album
1: it's it's a discussion of the whole thing so if you see if in in the rubric there is a an association category, so so I start with fidelity and clair, doctrinal fidelity and clarity, like how how correct is this biblically? If I just take the plain text of the lyrics and put it up next to scripture, am I running into a problem? And then clarity being how specific is this in the way that the Bible is specific about what it's saying? Um, and then the specificity uh, category is basically yeah, this is doctrinally true, but we're not really getting into anything that that's um, that's specific to how the Bible would describe this. Instead, we're just using generalized, flowy terminology. Like like i I, I would really prefer if somebody, you know who comes into a worship service at my church, um who say, like a practicing uh, Orthodox Jew, or something like this is not going to be able to sing this song without having a problem with it because I'm specifically identifying the Jesus of scripture. But you see some worship songs out there they're just so they're so generalized about God and his love and his power and and it, like this would fit any religion. <laughs> you know that's I and I'm thinking to myself well why are are the specific works and person and character of our God not worthy of proclamation? Not worthy of of us describing in a, in a specific and and Um, exclusive manner. I think they are. Yeah.
0: Yeah, It's one thing. If you look at, and Christmas time of year is an excellent time to do this. If you ever look up the Christmas carols, the classics, they have more verses than we sing, even in the church or maybe a lot of churches sing all the versions, but even the song like joy to the world kind of goes, you know, talks about the birth of Christ. Then it talks about the life of Christ and then the victory of Christ. And then it goes back kind of to the birth of Christ. There's like at least four verses. And yeah, I I think Hark the Herald Angel Sings has like five verses and they talk about different aspects of the gospel or or of Christ. And it's interesting. They cover a different theological uh, pattern. You see that in a lot of old hymns that they'll cover the different theologies and different verses. Uh, So not that they're a complete systemic <laughs> theology or anything, but it's interesting. Yeah. They're going for different uh, themes and messages and doctrines with a verse. Well, so and like
1: with the, with the, um, the, the tendency for there to be associate associational baggage with a song. So like you say, Hey, that song is it's, it's not exactly what I was saying. It's not, it's not heresy, but it was released by Bethel or something. I want to endorse. Bethel. Right. And you'll see people they'll defend that by saying, "Well, this hymn that you're singing back then—if you actually look at that guy's doctrine, it was problematic." And I mean, and I think like, "Oh, Holy Night," one of the
0: all-time yeah. great Christmas songs, has a pr- theological baggage with the authors. Yeah, sure. And, the musical and, that, and that's a great that, example.
1: But then the question we ask ourselves is, OK, is someone going to sing Oh Holy Night, go find this out and then go follow that guy? Well, no, he's dead. You know, but but with the Bethel song, it's like they can get online and start watching Bethel material and, and soak it up and all of this. They can be pulled into the movement. There's no movement with a, a you know a guy that's been dead for 100 years. You know. And uh, and one last
0: snooty question, I guess. What's <laughs> a Selmer? What's that? A Selmer.
1: Selmer, like, it's like a, it's a uh, instrument no, manufacturer. She,
0: no, I, I'm talking about the uh, the artist who apparently is like doing oh, great. Oh, like,
1: Semler, Similar,
0: yeah. okay, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I was who like, Selmer.
1: This? Selmer, she Selmer she manufactures on... like saxophones and stuff, but That's, si- that but might similar. be my confusion. But.
0: <laughs> But uh, it's yeah. like, she's like a nobody who I guess does good on Apple or whatever. And then demands to be at Christian music award shows or something. Like I've never,
1: I, I think, and I don't, I don't listen to this person, obviously, but I think that they're, you know, like Elle, they're, she's, I think she's, she's gay and out and, and proud and all this. And, and because the, the Christian music industry is, is so doctrinally worthless. Um, she finds support from these, you know, love, no matter what. Love by the world's definition groups, like Reliant K. You know, some of these groups I like I've liked their music over the years, and then they and then they come out and spoil it by revealing they were never Christians the entire time. You know. So I, I think she was touring around with one of them. I thought it was Reliant K. It might have been, it might have been Five Iron Frenzy, one of those two groups, I think.
0: Oh, uh, and uh send in your last chance for questions because we're about to do meme review right now. Uh and just a quick uh kind note is that david has done such a fantastic job since he took over the helm at protestia very fa- thankful for your hard work bro that's Thank from you. uh jammy starfish oh yeah he's, a, he's on
1: all, all the live streams which i have not i have not done we usually do tuesday nights i haven't done one in a couple weeks because i've been and I'll, I'll fill everybody in at some point but fighting some fights here like really close to home like <laughs> you know I you going to school board meetings <laughs> Yeah, it's well, you know, when Christian schools go awry is is kind of more the close to the top. Oh, <laughs> so.
0: even worse. Yeah,
1: all, so, all will be known eventually.
0: <laughs> so we're gonna do meme review tonight and hopefully have a fun time. <laughs> uh, number one is uh, Zelensky, January sixth. And this is a meme that came out last night for obvious reasons, because the Ukrainian tyrant has visited the United States and graced us with his presence. And it's memeable. Bart Barber would be so proud. So um, what we do here is that we kind of <laughs> rate it out of 10. And I, I think this is a 10 out of 10 meme. That's why I kicked it off. And I, I just think it's perfect. You know, he's just, what, walked, what is this? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm going to, let's, Zoom in and enhance. Let's go, Brandon.
1: <laughs>
0: it says, <laughs> yes, it okay, says. Let's if it go, says Brandon.
1: Like, if it says, "Let's go, Brandon." I'm voting 10 out of 10.
0: <laughs> that is a 10 out of 10 in my book, just because that is just on the money. <laughs> uh This is a meme that I made. It was just in relation to the <laughs> Amy Grant thing. I thought it was pretty fitting for the uh, moment, and it's the I. It, yeah, I think the original meme template is sad, but uh, oftentimes you see we gay today. Uh, as a alternative meme using this template, so I just kind of like photoshopped Amy Grant in there and said, "I said we gay today is Amy Grant with <laughs> hosting a gay wedding." Uh, so it, it needed to be memed. I don't think this is a ten out of ten or even close, but this is like a five to me. But
1: well, I, I called her like when when I first realized how LGBTQ affirming she was last year, I called her Gamey Grant. We started calling her Gamey Grant. <laughs> so well, how do you rate this uh meme uh, you no know, yeah uh, i'm not gonna be offended i let's think say this five, is a f- five out of ten because their head should be a little higher but that's a design could design critique. no
0: this dude's head is really long so it's oh, hard okay. to fit it in right
1: yes like scale it up or something i don't know
0: i guess uh
1: this is uh <laughs> tranos
0: tranos <laughs> Uh, this is named after our nuclear waste guy who uh, <laughs> loves uh, nuclear and waste and stuff. And she is or he is, you know, he, he was what does it take to get fired from the Biden administration? Well, he found out he's just too much baggage and he got <laughs> the fist. I think this is a solid eight. Uh, yeah
1: i i said like seven and a half but if we find out that he stole the gauntlet from a luggage conveyor at an an airport then it can be a little higher
0: all right and that's the next one is also related to this guy it's (laughs) how the twink stole christmas Uh, (laughs) another christmas themed I, i i really like this i think it's in this time of year also an eight uh little cluttered but i i love the uh title the way they did the title there i, I really like that and you know him stealing the bag cuz i i don't get it he i think this is kleptophilia you know cuz he gets off by stealing women's lu- luxury luggage i think this is a sexual thing uh because it probably everything is with him but
1: i was kind of uh, looking for i was kind of looking for the the stocking back there to be like suitcases in there yeah <laughs>
0: Maybe I'll. Uh, this is more of a seven because I think the other one's better. I think it should be scored higher. Uh, this one's a seven to me. Uh, your verdict? Uh, yeah, seven. I agree. All right. This this one. Uh, this one's a banger in my opinion. Uh, this is. Uh, Saul Goodman saying, "Your Honor." How could my client possibly be charged with fraud if crypto isn't real money? And I can just, I read this in Saul Goodman's voice or Jimmy McGill's voice. (laughs) Uh, Better call Saul. Fantastic show because it kind of combines legal drama with heist and crime. And so it does a lot of genre bending uh, as it relates to uh, this. And then you can just see the shady criminal lawyer who's also a criminal lawyer coming out and arguing this i i love the meme and uh bankman freed is the uh defendant in this and i think the argument is also pretty good if crypto isn't real money it's imaginary money that we have assigned a fiat value to and, you know let's fight fiat currency <laughs> with fiat currency type of mentality i think this is a good i think this is their best argument but apparently his girlfriend pled guilty or something like that
1: yeah, but I, I, I think them out.
0: I think this is a ten out of ten. I've also heard she's a Fed,
1: so it uh, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, she's she's selling them out for about a hundred Ethereum. I heard something like that.
0: <laughs> so I I think this is a ten out of ten just because I, I love the meme. It was great. I shared it with my family, and <laughs> I I share a lot of offensive memes with my family. But you know, this was I'd more have to pain. say
1: I'm gonna go with nine out of ten because uh, I'm pleading the fifth on whether I know who any of these people are. <laughs> you know. As a good Baptist, I, would, I wouldn't watch something like uh, Better Call Saul. Just joking. <laughs> uh, let's see.
0: Dispensationalist explaining any text whatsoever. The secret ingredient is Israel. I don't understand this meme template, but I like the meme. It It's a six to me. Yeah.
1: But well, I saw
0: this on Gab, so I uh, <laughs> thought I'd share with the class. We have some Christian memes here, too. Yeah.
1: I would say as a as as someone who's at least I I guess I would describe myself as sympathetic to leaky dispensationalism, um, John
0: MacArthur ish. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, I'm I'm all right with it. <laughs> I mean, because that's what you can.
0: And I think you should be able to laugh. We should all be able to laugh at jokes that are theology if we're comfortable with our theology. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's all right. I, I I get it. I'm I'm here but for p- the jokes. People ripping
1: on Calvinists is really funny to me. As a yeah. Calvinist, people ripping on that is really funny to me. Like was it, I think it was Jud I think it was Jud Jud Saul of uh, Enemies Within the Church had put up something in like this the this Southern Baptist Facebook group um, like joy like Calvinist Christmas or something it was like joy to the elect like you know let let let, because, uh, yeah, let the elect receive you know you know only some of us receive our king or something it was you know something like that and I just yeah, I just I, responded like I'm good with the changes. <laughs> i'm good with it (laughs) yes your terms are acceptable chad Me, right yep (laughs) there you go so
0: this one comes from woke preacher clips uh this is something he tweeted and gabbed out uh it's a cartoon for panels first panel is it's good for us to get behind every social engineering project of the cia so we can be loving like jesus and it's like some sort of green cardboard box kind of like a spongebob type of character that's wimpy. And then the Bible's just laughing at them. And then theology from before five seconds ago comes alongside the Bible and also laughs. And then the Bible and then theology from five seconds ago, just start beating the crap out of, uh, (laughs) the green box character that's saying these wimpy things. And they're just having a fun time. I like this. Uh, it's a seven and a half for me. Uh, but woke preacher clips gets the shout out for this meme here tonight
1: i i think you know what i'm going to rate it a little bit higher because i really appreciate what woke preacher clips has been doing lately to 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 pick on phil visher
0: oh man he is he's ripped them like new new stuff <laughs> and i know so, i did my so video on
1: that phil visher's aw- awfulness
0: <laughs> i mean he exposes himself daily because you know this is a guy that doesn't have clear positions on actually is clearly pro abortion from a biblical point of view. Uh, he's pro homosexuality from a biblical point of view. He is. Uh, and I think we can work with a lot of people in the church who I think have internalized bad doctrine on that, but, and same with abortion. Cause I think my top story of the church this year is that the church has moved left on abortion while the culture has moved right. And I think that's a stunning uh happening in the church
1: it's it's because the it's because the church is a, a lot of these big like big evangelicalism it's because the principles are not pivoting on abortion their principles are pivoting off of um attractiveness and world responsiveness so you know they, they'll and and you notice this like with all christian stuff it's always lagging right it's always like it's lagging two steps behind the culture you know yeah. I, I remember distinctly when like mumford and sons and sort of english folk music was like having its time in popular music and then two years later the christian bands are doing it <laughs> like see we're i'm really white it's already passed
0: <laughs> i'm really white but i could never get into mumford and sons
1: yeah so <laughs> well uh, yeah, this is the, the christian praise bands just come out with their inferior version and then it's you know several steps later
0: <laughs> yeah so here's a more wholesome meme not really offensive but it's Captain America, this comes out of the second movie, I believe, uh, Winter Soldier, a top three Marvel movie, easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tell dad jokes, as Cap- Chris Evans, Captain America, saying. And then the dude, it's the elevator scene, the famous elevator scene from that movie. And the guy on his left says, You don't have any kids. And then Captain America responds, I'm a faux pas. And very excellent dad joke. That's a joke I could share with my or a meme I could share with my wife and you know not get hissed <laughs> at. Uh, it's good to have some wholesome memes every once in a while.
1: Yeah, I like that one. that's funny. Uh, that's, that's a, a solid that's a good eight application eight of the elevator meme. So
0: uh, that's a solid eight for me. How about you?
1: Eight yeah eight and a half eight and a half.
0: And this meme hurts because it's true. Uh, It's a brief history of Japan and a brief history of America. And for Japan, you had the Samurais, then Hiroshima or Nagasaki. I can't quite tell from the mushroom cloud happens. And now it's like anime girl uh, with weird makeup or whatever and stuff like that. And for America, it's, you know, soldier, presumably World War II and not Korea uh then 9 11 happens and now we have drag queen uh is the third panel on that meme and i think this is sad true it's a gut punch it kind of hurts to look at but you know it's true uh obviously there's a non-sequitur fallacy going on because you know there's some missing links to these events but it it hurts and i like it this is yeah, another yeah. eight for me
1: yeah, it would have been lower it would have been lower for me until I really internalized how much the Patriot Act has has degraded uh the rule of law in this country. You know, it's yeah. not, like I see the 9/11, you know, the 9/11 picture and I'm thinking at this point not quite so much the twin towers falling but what followed up was the whole country acting in fear and codifying something that's really just done done a lot of damage to the rule of law. And ironically, yeah. You know, only in one direction. There, there's no trannies that are in uh, in the, uh, um, you know, the, the the gulags of January 6th right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. I was listening to a uh, a just uh, dis- uh, some sort of show today. I think it was slightly offensive, and they were talking about how all the Islamic terror cells seem to have disappeared as far as like domestic terrorism goes, and it was kind of implying that the FBI has moved on to a new thing. You know it because how many of these people are known wolves uh so this meme comes from cody libel it was a meme that he tweeted out so it's that brain meme i don't know what this template's called is like so we got like the small brain is big eva keeps trying to get me to roll over it's like the woke bespoke uh, uh whatever meme i don't know what it's called but Big Eva keeps trying to get me to roll over and surrender my values. And then when you're enlightened a little bit, you say, but God made men to identify their values and battle for them. And then even more uh, awake to the uh, even more red pilled is Big Eva only exists to neuter men so that they will not be able to do battle. And then the most enlightened position, the bespoke, I guess, is Christian men must do battle against Big Eva. And you know, this is very niche. I think the memes that Cody libel publishes are exceedingly niche. <laughs> but this one has a purpose. I like it. Uh and I, I think this is a seven or maybe a six, seven or six and a half. We'll split the difference, but definitely on the positive list.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, you know, yeah, I tend to agree. It's, 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 it's Cody. It's, it's Cody so if, as long as it's not a, v, a meme against Van Till, I I'll get a higher score. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's not a meme against presuppositionalism. So I'm, I'm good. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. I, I, I am not a fan of that.
1: I hope he hears uh, this at debate, some point,
0: but okay. So here we go. This, this meme, I thought, This isn't the last meme, but this is the last meme that uh, I have in the article is that and this is a a bunch of puppets pulling strings and the order is uh, meme pages are at the top pulling all the strings. Counterintelligence is below them. So the meme pages are pulling the counterintelligence strings. The counterintelligence is pulling the blue checks strings The blue checks are pulling the podcasters strings. The podcasters are pulling the legacy media strings. And then the legacy media strings are pulling your strings. And, you know, just for the record, I feel like the sermon bloggers are somewhere between counterintelligence and meme pages uh, in terms of our uphill, but it's kind of like the uphill flow of information that we find ourselves in because we're in the niche. And then all of a sudden, you know, after we do battle with critical race theory for a few years, then Donald Trump engages the fight and makes it a national issue. You know, it it does work like this. And I thought this meme was very poignant as to the state of America and America culture. I think this is a solid nine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like it. It's, it's, it's important to know that I think this is a truism that, the less likely someone is to admit that they consume a certain type of media, the more influential it probably is to them. <laughs> if, if it's, if it's influential enough that they're reading it, but they're not going to tell anybody it's because it has a hold on them that they don't want to admit that's where discernment blogs land. Yeah. I, I mean, I, and I've said this before, but I have one of my pastor friends who, when I first started uh, you know, openly working with protestia he just looks at me he's like you know everybody hates you guys right (laughs) I was like I yeah sure (laughs) not everybody maybe the people you're talking to but you know people I talk to (laughs) and then the last one is kind of a story about how a
0: meme went so viral that it got on Tucker Carlson. And this is like a uh, 76 second clip from Tucker Carlson's made show. made that clear
2: the other day when he responded personally to a Twitter account called Cat Turd. Because when you're one of Washington's leading authorities on foreign policy, you spend a lot of time on Twitter reading accounts with names like Cat Turd. So the other day, Cat Turd made the mistake of posting a meme that seemed to mock the colors of the Ukrainian flag, colors I love that this are meme sacred so to much. Adam Kinziger and every other empathetic soccer mom in mid 40s. You can imagine how offensive that was. It was like telling an off-color joke about Meghan Markle. It could not stand. And so alone and battling debilitating hot flashes in his kitchen, fighting the urge to open yet another bag of chips Ahoy, Adam Kinzinger fought back. Literal evil, he wrote in a late-night response to Cat Turd. If I met you in person, it would not end well for you, (laughs) sicko. Whoa! Hear that, Cat Turd? It will not end well for you. That's not a pillow fight Adam Kinzinger is talking about. That's a full-on slap fight with hair pulling. This is real. You'd better apologize. Our heart goes out to Cat Turd tonight, who's probably cowering in a litter box somewhere, waiting for Adam Kinzinger to show up with sharpened nails. Mock the Ukrainian flag? Get scratched. Those are the rules, Cat Turd. It's a tough town. Meow. (laughs)
0: And that meme that he showed is a 10 out of 10. And I keep using it on these Ukraine bots on social media uh, because that is just such a fraud. And I did a poll on my website behind the paywall that was grifter of the year. And Zelensky got every vote. Every vote was for (laughs) Zelensky. I don't know if... I, I told Bart Barber this because or... Bart
1: Barber, like Bart Barber retweeted Time magazine, Megan Zelensky man of the year. It was like, you know, totally or some dumb thing like that. I said, so was that before or after he jailed his political opponents and tried to drag the West into World War three? And I think the most
0: underreported story is the plight of the people of Donetsk who have been getting shelled by Ukraine for nine years almost. So You know, they have biblical justification for taking up arms against the Ukrainian government, uh, you know, from 2014. But, you know, no, you know, Michael Brown wrote for the Christian Post, you know, let's not get morally confused about this issue. It's like, no, I think you morally confused. And actually that whole, (laughs) you know, if you want to talk about issues with Christian media, I think the fact that the ADL pretty much runs Christian Post is a major issue in Christian media they write adl propaganda at least once a week like you know literally they're citing the adl <laughs> and their data is like that is the least reliable thing and we did get one question during my last call and i'll s- close out with this because i know you got to get going and any uh, opinion on instrumentals and this is from miguel americo
1: yeah, well, yeah, an instrumental. I mean, you know, what he's talking about, of course, is is a, uh, um, you know, praise song or worship song or piece of music in there that's not doesn't have the words. I thought um, it had
0: more to do with guitar versus piano versus organ.
1: That would yeah. be like that would be instrumentation.
0: Okay. It's
1: like in, instrument.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm not an expert on this.
1: No, 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 on no music. worries. Um, <laughs> it's a you know product of a misspent uh, you know education and career and. Last twenty years or so. <laughs> no, the um um, if we say instrumentals being, a, hey, this is a piece of music that just doesn't have words and lyrics involved with it, um, then is it a recognizable song? Most of them are, like you know. So you might say, you know, oh, they're playing, you know, how great thou art without the words, or they're playing, um, you know, let's or pick something like Chick Fil like... A style. What's <laughs>
0: Chick Fil A has the instrumentals? Yeah, yeah, of...
1: yeah. yeah. Well, the local Chick-fil-A around me, they stopped they stopped playing praise song instrumentals. I don't know what they're playing now, but it wasn't that. But yeah, Chick-fil-A would famously would play like modern praise and worship songs but just the background instrumentation versions of them. That's that's what an instrumental would be. Um the same rules apply as far as association and if you're reasonably sure that people know what song it is, just apply the same rules. I wouldn't I wouldn't change the I wouldn't change the rubric based off of whether they're singing the words. Now, if you're picking a song, nobody knows or something like that, uh, then is it, is it setting the right, uh, you know, kind of a, a respectful mood and is it, is it done at an excellent level because there is worship that is, is part and parcel of just being a a good musician and a good player and, 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 um, expressing your craft in an excellent fashion that that's worship, that's worshipful as well.
0: All righty, that. See, He he can answer that question because I don't know music terms all that well. I can read music barely and that's about it and I can't play an (laughs) instrument to save my life. I'm I'm a level one drummer and I don't think I can strum a guitar correctly and I've given up on playing the piano even though I probably could maybe do that. I don't know but I'm not (laughs) musically talented Uh, I, I just know certain things aren't musically talented like a lot of contemporary music these days. It's interesting how every genre is almost worse than it was in the '80s.
1: <laughs> well, so. if if you want to hear me, you know, like like approach it a little bit, you uh, know, m- more aggressively on the music end. The review that I have up for, and this is not a brand new song. This is a few years old, but the theological song review for "Firm Foundation" by the Belonging Co, Co featuring Cody Carnes. I gave it a thirty-five out of a hundred. Yes, yeah, so I read that music- one. Yeah. The musical value section, I kind of, you know, sort of let it fly a little bit. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't holding back much.
0: <laughs> you let them know how you really felt. So. Yeah. There's
1: is no, no musical virtuosity. You utilize whatever, like a computer could have put that arrangement together. It was so, it was so bland.
0: Yeah. I remember you writing that. It's like, wow. Uh, so David, how about you let the audience know where they can find you, uh, in, Uh, protestia and supporting protestia
1: yeah you know you can always find us at protestia.com and i mean the the best way to support is just read the website we do have a patreon at patreon.com forward slash protestia um it's like a you know 595 i think is our starting starting level it gets you the full podcast and everything but yeah stay tuned for the you know beginning of the year hopefully if i can figure out all the technology behind it we'll be going uh you know 12 to 13 hours a day of live streaming from the Protestia youtube channel so we're that's the plan if i can keep everybody all the content creators and things from putting up copyrighted music we're going to be in good shape <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, and youtube is rough with that it makes no sense yep. uh but or they're mostly slow with it slow to yeah and, then, and, then, or and facebook does the, is the same
1: thing they'll nick you like you know months and months down the road when when someone gets around to it i guess
0: yeah so anyway this is the evangelical dark web if you've stuck around this long and haven't subscribed yet what are you doing and also check out protestia tonight and the protestia youtube channels i know i'm privately subscribed to both of them on the not evangel on my personal youtube account (laughs) uh and which is where i watch youtube but and uh And I definitely read Protestia pretty much every day. And you also check out evangelical dark web. We have a newsletter as well. It's completely free. That's linked in the description below and drop a like on your way out. Have a blessed night and we will catch you on the next one.
1: Thanks brother.